done fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dolph Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. What's good, what's good, what's good? This your boy Marcus Harvey from Ghost Brothers. What's happening, man? It's your boy Dayla Spratt from Ghost Brothers. And this is Jawan Mass from the Ghost Brothers. We like to give a big shout out to the Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hillbilly horror stories where your stories is from a hillbilly and it's kind of horary because it's hillbilly horror stories. That was terrible, Dalen. Yeah. But I, I tried. Tune into the podcast. We up in here. Ghost Brothers. Hey guys, welcome to episode 321 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So, Tracy, as this comes out, we're actually on our way to Miami. Welcome to Miami, yummy, 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 yummy. Okay. Um, <laughs> better be careful, you'll slap me. Because mm. you know it's a Will Smith song. I do know that. Anyways, um, so we're, we'll be on our way. So this is the last thing that we're actually recording before we leave. And uh, we're excited for our cruise. We can't wait to meet every one of you guys that, you know, we've been waiting literally a year and a half for this. And some of you guys signed up way back then and we've all been just been waiting to meet some of you that live on the other side of the country and yeah, some of you excited. out of the country there's some canadians coming so. oh yes awesome so very excited obviously we want to start by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world no matter which country you represent thanks to every one of you guys gals and service animals for allowing us to be able to do stuff like cruises well and that's the truth we pray for you guys every day. You guys always have our back, and we can't thank you enough. God bless each and every one of you guys. You are continued in our prayers. Maybe the next cruise we can do will be on a naval ship. Oh, heck yeah. They probably don't have as good of accommodations as, like, Royal Caribbean, though. You know what? I wouldn't even care. <laughs> Just to see our men and women in action would be would be amazing. All right. Obviously, we, we want to go in... Um, to just kind of let people know that even though we're sitting here talking about having a great time right now, not everybody is having a great time at the moment. Some people are struggling with various different things going on in their life. And uh, we wish we could help each and every one of them. Unfortunately, um, you know, it's hard to even know who's going through some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why we ask people to reach out to us. We actually, um, I took a call from somebody this morning and, you know, and I want to, I want to say this. I can't tell you how many people actually do reach out to us mm -hmm. and then they apologize. Yeah. Do not apologize. Oh, never. We, we ask you guys to contact us uh, and there's no reason at all to apologize. No. I mean, We're happy to give you an outlet. No, just call and say, hey, what's up or anything. You never have to apologize. But anyway, I just want to let people know that that option is there. We also have the uh, Facebook group that uh, we would love to have you as a member of. If you're not already, you don't even have to contribute on a regular basis. Just just read and 
look at the support. Sometimes it helps just to see the support that other people are given, or you'll see how much support is given by the group, and then that will make you want to post if you're in a absolutely uh, one of those type situations. That's very correct. Tracy, We're what else can I do? Very proud of that group for sure. Um, if you don't want to go that route, you know, Jerry, you can contact Jerry or I at any time, and you can also call the new hotline number. It's nine eight eight. You can also send a text at 741-741. You guys aren't alone. We're here with you. We all have our struggles. And, you know, let's just all be there for each other. Tracy, before we get into our actual story, uh, I want to acknowledge that a friend of the show, a paranormal investigator by the name of David Hensley, suddenly passed away right after his 60th birthday. I just know, a couple so days. sad. And, uh... David's been on the show before. He's actually been at one of our live events, the mm-hmm. live event that uh, we did in Nashville with uh, Graveyard Tales a couple years back. He was actually one of the uh, the guests with the EVP Mediums, if yes, you guys have been to that show. And uh, I think, I want to say he came on twice. I know he's come on once, and what I decided to do was I, I found the interview where he came on the first time. It's a nice interview, and I decided that uh, we would play that tonight in honor of uh, David Hensley. Oh, that's um, and we just want to say to his family and friends, we're so sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine. You guys are in our prayers for sure. Sad, sad day. So, All right, Tracy, tough transition, but this is going to be a fun story tonight. There's not as much history of a certain location as what we normally do, but the story of Donna and John Kukotz is a roller coaster ride. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear this. All right. John and Donna, they moved to a, a little town in Texas called Ennis. This was back in 1980. They had no way of knowing, though, that they were in the eventually having a roommate, especially one that was no longer living. Oh, well, there you go. Considering that the roommate was the former mistress of the house they moved into made it even tougher. Does she flirt? Not that kind of mistress. Oh. <laughs> you can you can just... <laughs> I'm, my uh, bad, my bad. Maybe I should have just said the missus of the house. I don't know. We've talked about a lot of hoes in all these stories. I don't know. The young couple had been living in the Dallas area, and they were looking to move to uh, a little bit quiet, more quiet change of scenery to raise their young son, Kevin. So they looked at several places in town, but there was one particular house on Knox Street that really caught their attention. It was one of the biggest houses in Ennis, and it was just 35 miles south of Dallas, so a short drive to get back to the big city. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful two-story Georgia-style house, it was painted gray with white trim and forest green shutters. It sat right on a very large, nicely landscaped lot. So everything well, you would want really for nice. a growing family. Mm-hmm. The house had been vacant for a few years, but a local real estate agent company had done a, a really good job of keeping it well maintained. So it was in great shape still. The young family looked at the house a few times. They eventually decided to make an offer. Now, af- after each visit... After spending some time in, in the home to decide that they wanted to make an offer, Donna would become extremely nauseated. She would later learn that nearly everyone who looked at the house had that same issue. Well, so it wasn't preggers. She wasn't pregnant, I guess. No. Okay. 
They found it odd that the real estate agent would always wait outside while they would look around in the house, and they chalked it up to just being, you know, maybe small-town behavior. They had both dealt with several real estate agents before in their life, and usually they would always accompany the prospective buyers in the house and point out all the, you know, fine attributes and Mm -hmm. all that that the house had to offer. But, like I was saying, they kind of thought it was strange, but they didn't really think any more of it. The more they thought about the house, the more that they just decided that they wanted it. Donna said it was a perfect home. It was built in 1920 by master carpenters. Every detail in the house seemed to be custom made. Oh, that's so great. The cabinets and the doors were made right in the front yard. Wow. The wood was the finest that money could buy at the time. Most of the cabinets were made out of cherry. The home was built by Mr. J.E. Kiever. Now, he was the... um, I guess you could say the the owner of the town's mortuary and funeral home. And he was a builder too, huh? I don't think he built it you per se. Think I think did? he had it built. Oh, had it built. They, you know, they always say that in the story. The home was built by, but mm-hmm. they didn't, they weren't the ones who did The construction people built it. Oh. But anyway, he paid for it. He built a large house for his wife, her parents, his parents, and their two sons. Well, what a nice gentleman. There was three large bedrooms upstairs and a glassed-in sleeping porch where the boys slept. The downstairs had a living room, a formal dining room, a library, and a huge kitchen. At the time it was built, this house, uh, Kiever built two other houses, one on each side of it. So he built three houses in a row, and he was living in the middle one. Mm -hmm. Very generous man. He sold the one on the right uh, to the First Baptist Church. He did that almost immediately after it was built. For like the preacher to live in or something? Yes, it was actually going to be used for the parsonage. Okay. The other he kept as a rental property, and eventually he gave it to his son, Sam, once he married and returned from the army. Now, get this. Right after the Kukots signed their final piece of paperwork for the house, the realtor said, well, welcome to Amityville. <gasps> what? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. What a rude person. Donna said... What on earth are you talking about? And the realtor said, you'll find out. <gasps> After that, the realtor agreed to walk uh, into the house. First time since they even looked at it that he actually came into the house. Standing in the big living room, he looked at Donna and says, I think she likes you. Why in the world would he do that to them? <laughs> Donna said, who's she? Again, he replied with, you'll find out. So he went on to tell her um, that his wife and several others in town refused to come into that house. But he felt that she would uh, probably approve of this family. And he based that on... I don't know. Almost from the beginning, the family was convinced that there was a presence in their home. I wonder if it had anything to do with the real estate agent basically telling them their home was haunted. I swear I cannot even (laughs) believe he did. They waited until they signed the papers. What a dog. They talked to several townspeople who believed that the home was occupied by the very possessive but very proud Mrs. J.E. Kiever. She had loved to entertain there and loved to show off her beautiful home. It was the site of several and frequent social events. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. I mean, at least they had nice things going on. They didn't have like a a slaughterhouse or something. (laughs) Well, Donna felt like... Mrs. Kiever just wanted to make sure that the new owners were going to take care of the property. 
you know, yeah. she took a lot of pride in it. Of course. A previous owner had painted over the beautiful cherry wood cabinets with this ugly yellow latex paint. Why in the world would they do that? I don't know. The Cook Colts had painstakingly took the time to strip the paint off and restore the cabinets back to its initial beauty. There were also rose brass carriage lamps with leaded glass windows at the front entrance. They had been covered in black paint. Donna and John removed the paint and had the brass refinished. Donna said that she felt like that they were being led to restore certain parts of this house back to its original state. The couple bought a large sofa bed to put in the living room for their guests. Donna said that the downstairs was quieter and it made a great retreat for guests that they needed, you know, had okay. visitors. So that's what she did. The sofa bed was close to the library and the half bath and the kitchen for late night snacks so it would work out well for guests. But whenever the guest area was being used, Miss Kiever would seem to make herself known. The house would be overwhelmed with the strong fragrance of roses. Roses were her favorite flower, and she loved her rose garden. She always wore tea rose perfume. Mm-hmm. The fragrance would linger to the point that guests would ask Donna if she used some type of a rose-scented room spray. In fact, Donna hated any type of room spray, so that never would have been the case. Right. Donna would often be asked if she had been downstairs walking around as her guests slept, possibly checking the doors or to see if uh, they were locked, something like that. Some had seen the dark shadows of someone roaming about, and they could hear footsteps, and the sound of the doorknob jiggling as if someone were checking it. So did she answer them truthfully? Donna said that her guests were usually startled to find out that no one had been downstairs. Because she didn't. <laughs> In fact, they were visited by Miss Keeley, or as she is sometimes called, the hostess with the mostest. Nice. That's what uh, Donna called her. Kiever's young son was the only family family member that actually saw Miss Kiever. How old was he again? Uh, I think he was four, four or, five. or five. I mentioned it somewhere in okay, here. Okay, I thought he you was did. four. He first saw her when he was four years old. That was the year that they actually moved into the house. He told Donna that a lady in white dress had come into his room to see him. At first, his parents just assumed that this was a child's overactive imagination, as you could, as you could, you know, probably well, yeah, identify of with. Well, yeah. But as years rolled by and the visits continued to happen, they started to believe him, and fortunately, the spirit didn't seem to scare Kevin. Mm-hmm. So he's sticking to his story. Yeah. It didn't surprise Donna that Miss Kiever would visit Kevin. After all, she was the mother of two boys herself. She was used to having boys in that house. Mm -hmm. Donna said that all through the years that they lived in the home, there were constant footsteps and cold spots. Those things didn't seem to bother the family, though. But there was one area of the house that was disturbing to Donna. The area beneath the stairs. Now, this area was divided between the small half bath and a little storage room. The storage room always smelled musty and moldy, a very unpleasant odor. She couldn't force herself to go into that storage room, and a few times that she did, she would become nauseated. She felt as if she was trespassing, in a mm -hmm. way. There were some boxes of things shoved to the back of that room 
but she never looked to see what was in the boxes. She never, after all those years? No, and you'll find out that they never mentioned the boxes again in the story. So I was kind of curious if eventually they yeah. did, but didn't. Darn it. So they kept the door to the room locked, but the door would still often fly open on its own. The, they even duct taped the door shut and placed bricks in front of it, but nothing would keep the door shut. If the door decided to open, it just opened. Now, most of the paranormal activity seemed to take place while they had overnight visitors, much like we had mentioned. That's when the rose smell would happen and the footsteps would, would happen. You know, they would kind of, I guess you could say, step it up. <laughs> One such occurrence of this stands out to Donna, though. She had become friendly with a woman by the name of Rebecca Lang. Miss Lang was going into the ministry. So, Reverend Lang, as she'll be known throughout, was working on her master's degree at the Texas Christian University Seminary in Fort Worth. Part of her work, though, on a degree required her to serve as a uh, pastorate each weekend. So, she basically was like an intern uh-huh. at a church. So, she'd have to go and work with the pastor of that church and kind of like be an associate. Yeah. To and that's so weird. I never time. really thought of that. That they had to be an intern. I don't know why, but it shouldn't be any different it, than anywhere else. And it else. may not be that way with every religion, but mm-hmm. at least with her religion it was. So anyway, so every weekend she came to the first Christian church in Ennis and uh, would preach. But Donna suggested that she stay with them over the weekend. That way she could save... Some money. Yeah, some hotel expense. That's nice. She even gave Rebecca a key so she could come and go on her own terms. That first night, the young pastor was there. She was just dozing off on this comfy sofa bed, which the words had never been said before. (laughs) And that's the truth. (laughs) Which, like I said, if this is true, that's the first time ever a comfy bed, comfy sofa bed has been uh, found out about. So anyways, she's dozing off. She was immediately startled by a blood curdling scream. The Kukots has heard it as well from the upstairs bedroom. They run downstairs to check on on, uh, Rebecca. She was sitting upright in the bed, terrified. She looked at Donna and said, I didn't scream, did you? Oh, no. And Donna said, it only happened that one time, but it certainly made an impression on all of them in the house at the time. Yeah, way to welcome a guest to spend the night. Shoot. Later that night, an apparition appeared before Reverend Lang. She also heard footsteps going back and forth across the room all night long. She also smelled extremely strong smell of roses. She said it was sickeningly strong. Wow. And keep in mind, she didn't know about any of this stuff. Right, right. By dawn, Rebecca was a nervous wreck. She called the church where she was supposed to preach and told them that she was sick and they would have to find a replacement. Then this very odd request happened she asked her host if she could go with them to the episcopal church that they go to on sundays oh so she called in sick to her church where oh. she was supposed to preach and went to an episcopal church which was a completely different religion that she was well studying that's kind for. of bizarre of course they said yes and after the service was over reverend lang asked the ku priest a uh reverend dennis smart if the church still performed house blessings she then explained to him everything that went on the night before. The priest said that 
He had heard that there was a presence at that home for years, but he assumed it was nothing serious or Mm -hmm. assumed it was just town rumors. But it didn't take long for Reverend Lang to convince him that that was not the case. So the priest, he got his holy water together, his incense and his stole, and he drove immediately to the house. He performed the ceremony and Donna said that they had very little contact with Miss Kiever after that moment. (laughs) She could finally go into her storage room in the stairwell without being frightened or repulsed by that musty smell, which was now gone. However, her son Kevin told her that while Miss Kiever had settled down, she hadn't completely gone away. He was still visited in his room several times after the house was blessed. In 1988, the Kukultzes moved back to the Dallas area. Donna said that Miss Kiever's spirit definitely did not run them off. They just missed the Dallas area. And the culturally, they wanted to move back to some place that was a little bigger city. And they would be closer to their old friends. She said that they were just not cut out to be small town folk. Oh. It took them eight years to realize it. Yeah, that sounds like a not true to me. <laughs> Donna said that she sometimes misses Miss Kiever, and uh, she was very possessive, but she was also protective of her family. She said that while some people have watchdogs, we had a watch ghost. Oh. So. Well, I mean, I, honestly, I wonder if they, she was there for eight years, how hard it would be to leave her. I mean, they're kind of used to her now. I mean, I, I guess it's like anything else. It's probably not like a pet or a real person to where you're used to it, but you're not attached to it. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. You know what I'm saying? Well, at least she was a nice person, not evil, and the realtor got eight years out of them, so. I wonder why the blood-curdling scream, though. Yeah, I mean, nobody even talked about where they thought that came from or nothing. No, but it was the only time there was really any aggression shown. Yeah. And I still want to know what was in those boxes. Well, I do, too. (laughs) And I'm surprised that once she went in there, she never checked. Well, if she did, she didn't say anything about it. So she might have checked after the fact. Oh, my gosh. I'm so curious. If I had strange stuff happening in my house, and I had a bunch of old boxes that were probably from the previous owner in a storage room that smelled crazy, I would be checking it. No doubt. If nothing else, to see if there was something dead in the box that could be causing the smell. Yeah, that's very true. Could have been a rat or something. In there, or an well, that had been that doll. Nope. Mm-mm. I would have already been moved out by then. But at least it wasn't like an evil evil force or anything. So no. I think people are very lucky if they have to, you know, experience something like that, that they have the nice entity. Yeah. So I thought that was a fun story. Though. It was. It was very interesting. So, all right. Well, let's take a quick sponsor break. Uh, we're not doing Patreon and stuff tonight. I will remind you that there are tickets still available for the Bobby Mackey show. Mm-hmm. That is selling out quickly. I was going to say, you, boy, people yeah. have really picked up on those, you, those tickets. You may want to jump on it, hillbillyhorrorstories.com and uh, there you go. Also, if you're coming to the cruise, uh, we will be able to have our card reader, but they say internet could be spotty, so you may want to bring some cash if you're planning <laughs> on buying Yeah, something. if you're planning on buying thing at all. Even but they also stuff on an, the boat. They also, yeah, they also have an ATM on, on right Because they charge, most of the stuff gets charged to your card already that you put on file mm-hmm. with them, so you don't need a lot of cash or anything on board. But Well, we can't wait to see you guys. We're so excited, and we're actually leaving out tomorrow. Yeah, so we're recording this on Thursday. So we're leaving on Friday morning. We're driving to Miami because I didn't want to take a chance on missing planes. Right. Plus, we're bringing merch, and that would have been a bunch of extra 
charge on a plane. Yeah. So. But anyway, we love you guys. We cannot wait to see you all. We're going to have a blast. And we'll just have a blast. I don't even know what to say. And uh, I will leave you with uh, this interview with David Hensley. Rest in peace, David. All right, guys, we got a special treat for you tonight. I am joined on the phone by David Hensley. He is with EVP Mediums, and uh, you've probably seen that name because we've been advertising them being part of the live event that we're doing October 20th in Nashville with uh, Macabre Melts and Graveyard Tales. David, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Doing great. It's funny. We have a a listener that's part of our Facebook group, and uh, she knows you very well. Uh, but, but, mid uh, bits yeah <laughs> yeah she, she was uh she was telling me a while back about how great you guys were and then she couldn't believe that you were going to be part of the show in nashville because i guess you guys are from ohio correct correct we're up by uh, a town called lorraine ohio which is pretty much well it is it's right on the lake on lake erie our base actually uh the house that we work out of for the group is uh, our co-founder's house randy's it's one block from the lake so all the way up north must be nice. I bet it's cold as hell in the wintertime, ain't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Too cold. So let me ask you this. T- tell me a little bit about EVP Mediums and, you know, how the group got started, how many people you got in, in the group, and what you guys typically do. Because I know you. I've seen a lot of videos and stuff where you guys are out yeah. on the circuit doing some uh, lectures and stuff like that. And a matter of fact, that's how this came to be with the Nashville show is you guys are going to be in town that Friday night doing a lecture, which made it right. really convenient to be a part of the show. So tell me about EVP yeah. mediums. Well, it, it probably sounds crazy, but I have never been one that liked paranormal groups. Never really wanted to be in a paranormal group per se. I mean, uh, I was a, myself, I was a professional corporate professional for many years and I struck out and uh, had my own restaurant for about six years. But I really, well, I've always been interested sitting in paranormal. I had some personal experiences as a teenager and it really did fascinate me, but you know, being in the corporate world, I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, I couldn't afford to have people question my judgment as far as a manager or director. So, and basically it was in the, really just in the back of my mind. And then I hired a part-time Randy. Uh, he was a manager of my restaurant and one day he came in and he was you're probably going to think I'm nuts, but something's going on at my house. I'm like, what? And he's telling me he has uh, doors that are opening by themselves. He went downstairs, came up, all the kitchen cabinets uh, were standing straight out. Uh, he had he would hear a woman singing. So I'm curious. Uh, and basically, that's how this all got started. I found a team for him uh, to come in and investigate his home. They did some EVPs. EVPs actually matched the previous owners of the home many, many years ago. So from that point on, I was pretty much hooked. And since I own my own business, I could pretty much devote as much time as I wanted to it. And that really is, you know, the, the birth of EV mediums. But we founded ourselves on three principles. One is to help the client. Someone's have a haunting. It's very important to us that they feel like they're not alone, uh, that there is people that would believe them and try to help them. Number two is help the spirit. I can tell you, Jerry, every, you know, whether people believe in ITC or EVP or not, we get help me at every single investigation, not once, but many times. And I, it's hard for us to go into a location, do an investigation and just leave. So we won't take a case if the client doesn't agree to allow us to attempt to cross that spirit over. 
And then our third mission is to educate the public. And that's why we do a lot of lectures and, you know, let people know that there is something there, what it is, you know, that's anybody's guess. So let me ask you this. The, the name of the group is EVP Mediums. How did the name come about? Do you guys all consider yourself to be mediums or just some? No. Or is that just the name? No. <laughs> Very good question. The only true medium on our group is Randy. Poor guy by him. It was not by choice. This is where this whole thing gets so bizarre. It, it's actually kind of unbelievable when you really look at it. But I was doing EVPs for months and months and months after Randy's house was investigated. And I was doing them on a daily basis because it just fascinated me. And I was getting all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I started doing uh, a few investigations on my own. And that's before the uh, forming of EVP mediums. And then one day I said, Randy, would you mind going along? I'd like to start videotaping some of the investigations. He said, sure. So we scheduled the weekend. I didn't tell him where this was. Uh, he had no knowledge of this uh, house at all. So I picked him up and we're heading to this house to do an investigation. And he's acting, you know, very fidgety and kind of strange. I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, I, you know, this is crazy. He said, but I know where we're going to. I said, I haven't even told you where we're going. He goes, no, you're going to get off on 90. You're going to turn left. And he said, it's going to be about two blocks. And he described that house area in perfect detail. Oh, wow. When we, when we got out of the car, he was so shaken and at that time, they were our very first video clients, uh, Susan and Bill. They came out and they were just, you know, Brandy felt embarrassed because he was actually, he controls emotions. He started crying, but they were really wonderful people. And he said, when you go in the house, there's going to be a fireplace on the left. He's on the right in the back. He said, there's going to be a sunroom. He said, and he was describing everything that used to be as far as wallpaper description, everything. You know, was it a fluke? That's what we kind of thought. Okay, well, pretty much every case I took him on, he was getting stronger and stronger as far as precise details before we would arrive at the property. Why and how this all occurred, uh, I don't know. You know. And in the beginning, I'll be honest, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not sure. It's not that I would think that he would ever lie, but in the beginning, I thought, okay, well, maybe it's his imagination and he's just batting a thousand. <laughs> you know, but um, time and time again, he has things he would say or see, and we had arrived on a property, and it was there. I mean, I think for me, the final one that convinced me that he has some kind of gift is we did a case in Pennsylvania. Uh, normally, I do not take cases that are, like, demonic, but it was a referral from a friend, so I did it for a favor to see because she felt that there was something very dark and based upon what they were telling us. I'm thinking, you know, this is not really, this is outside of us, but we went, and Randy, the night before, he said, every time I get a vision of the house, there's a black veil. It's like somebody drops a black veil in front of me and I can't see. So I can tell you this, it's in the country. Uh, the house, he said, it probably sounds strange. The house sits into a hillside. And he said, the garage is actually the basement. And Jerry, he nailed it. <clears throat> he nailed it. And he, and he said, I see a black car. He said, it's like a hustle car from the 60s or 70s. He said, I had a dream last night. And that was being choked in the passenger seat. But we put that. The house, you know, the house is on the hillside. We back, and lo and behold, you know, you, you pull the car right into the basement doors. The garage is in the basement, and there is a beautiful uh, Camaro sitting in the garage. So let me ask you this. How many people are part of your group right now? Right now, we have seven. We have two camera tech video guys. We have a controller, Joyce. Uh, she kind of controls our volunteer funds and uh, our purchasing of our equipment. And she's also an active investigator. 
Shelly uh, is actually a police officer. Uh, she uh, has been, been very integral in our team. She's our case manager. And now uh, we recently had another member join our team, uh, Vicki. She's a photographer. So she will be taking a lot of stills. Uh, we wanted to increase our visual evidence a little bit because we've always focused mainly on communication, trying to find out why a, you know, a spirit is deciding to hang out at a location. So we're kind of like pushing that. Well, let's see what we can do to get some more visual evidence. So let me ask you this. Like you guys do these lectures, like the event you're going to be doing that Friday night in Nashville. What do you guys do right. when you go to those lectures? What kind of talks are they there? Are, they, are you brought in specifically for certain talks? Give me an idea of what those things consist of. Yeah, we have a general PowerPoint presentation that we begin. We first, uh, well, introduce our group, of course. We define uh, many different types of spirits, how many spirits, you know, at least on what we know. We talk about, you know, there's a human, basically it boils down to my book, two types of uh, spirits, human or non-human. And we will talk about, um, you know, what constitutes a haunting. Uh, we, of course, because of our name being EVP mediums, we talk about electronic voice phenomena and the difference between that and ITC, instrumental transcommunication. Um, we kind of, and then we talk about uh, quite a few of our cases. We always get uh, one of the reasons, too, that we do lectures is uh, I lost my dad when I was 10, and I lost my grandparents and really didn't realize how much it affected me as a person until my later years. And, uh, you know, if we can bring one ounce of closure to somebody or someone can hold on the hope and know that their loved one is in a better place, but, you know, it's not the end. That's one of the things that we try to do with our lectures. And then we have a, uh, a collage of uh, a lot of our investigations where we show we're getting direct two-way communication with spirits, you know, now, full sentences, they're answering questions, um, and then we take questions from the audience. So what do you guys have planned for us that night? Because you guys are going to have 20, 30 minutes to be able to uh, interact with the crowd. I don't know if right. we have the stuff uh, there to be able to do a PowerPoint presentation, unless that's something you guys are bringing. But, I mean, what kind of uh, – I know y'all plan on telling some stories and stuff. Can you give us any idea of what yeah. you might have planned for these fine folks? Yeah, um, I think we talk about some of our most. Our, we have quite a few fun cases that were just uh, where the spirits were actual jovial. Um, they, it was a delight to actually to do the investigations and crossover. We're hit upon a few of our dark out of. We're we're looking at uh, we're pushing seventy video investigations, and out of seventy investigations, really there is about five that we would classify as extremely dark or non-human. Um, we're not demonologists. Uh, we tell that to our clients. So if, if we determine that something is really dark or negative there, we do everything we can to assist. Uh, we do have a, uh, a, um, in the Cleveland diocese of Toledo, we do have a demonologist that we consult with, or we will turn it over to him if the client, again, it has to be up to the client if they're willing to accept that help. But, uh, you know, anything that's, we believe is non-human, we, we just, we won't tackle our families are more important and we don't want to, you know, we can't, uh, you know, get involved in that. We've had about, like I said, about five cases that we believe were non-human. So we'll touch upon a few of those. We've just recently met uh, through Facebook and stuff, not in person, but right. you knew um, this all got connected as far as you getting associated through the show, through uh, Graveyard Tales. How do you know those guys? <laughs> well, I know I knew both of you because um, after I sold the restaurant, uh, I decided I wanted a, normal sane day job monday through friday and of course being in the restaurant and then for 25 years i was in the entertainment industry and the theme park business 
So I, I've never known what a Monday through Friday job is. So I sold the restaurant. I went into manufacturing. Currently now I'm uh, working a CNC uh, shop and we work 10 hours a day in second shift. And some of those long running jobs, it can get pretty boring and, you know, trying to pass time. So I started listening to podcasts and uh, found you guys and uh, found you to be very creditable. I found you to be very uh, entertaining. You guys were awesome. You know, both of uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories and Graveyard Tales, you know, just the right amount of humor with, uh, you do research well, which I think is awesome. So my son, uh, just a compliment out and basically that's how we got to know each other at Graveyard Tales and it kind of snowballed from there. Oh, really cool. We're definitely glad to have you part of the show. I know originally when we talked, we really didn't have any specific plans. We were just going to have you guys there. I guess if, you know, people want to ask questions and I know I said, hey, would you be interested in, in coming on and actually just doing some uh, some stuff at the live show, put it, put on a live show for us? And you said you were all for right. it. So, I mean, we're we're excited about it. I mean, I think it's uh, – and that's why I wanted to have you on here because I wanted people to know that it's not just our two shows that are going to be out there. You guys are going to be doing 20, you know, 20, 30 minutes of, of some pretty cool stuff that we can't really do. I mean, we, we've right. not done investigations. We've not done uh, – uh, and seen some of the things you guys have seen. So your aspect of the show will be different than any live event we've done because it's always just been podcast telling the story. You guys have real documented proof of things that you've actually done yourselves. I think that's going to be a, an awesome aspect of the show. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. You know, I, it crossed my mind too to attempt maybe we could do a live ITC session, see if there's any spirits hanging out, you know, there. There's a lot that we can do. I, I can tell you that, you know, when looking at all of our cases, it is amazing the amount of, you know, backing up a little bit on uh, EVP. EVPs are extremely subjective, uh, as well as many forms of ITC. And you wonder how much your brain is is translating or transcribing correctly. I'm okay. Is it really saying that? Or is I uh, am I just hoping it does? Or do we think it's saying that, um, you know, we're pretty careful on our videos. We put up front that we never claim that's 100% accurately transcribed. But what sells it for me and why I'm so passionate about what we're doing is when we can get specific information and then find out later, uh, in, in some cases, that the information we got from these sessions was 100% accurate. You know, I can't write that off as, audio pareidolia you know it's there's you know there's something there uh when we can ask them you know i can hold up four fingers and say how many fingers am i holding up and we get a distinctly clear four you know we do a lot of what we call validation questions um and and i'll tell you we found that over the time it seems like you gotta i know it sounds kind of crazy but you kind of have to keep the spirit's attention um or focused but if we feel like we're starting to get gibberish or we're getting algorithms from the, the computer programs, we will then start asking validation questions to bring it back in. And we've gotten some amazing response. We had this one case that we were uh, doing validation questions, and I just I, all I could do was laugh, but our client, he was a big fan of John Wayne, and he had uh, old Western stuff uh, in his bedroom, and there was a picture of uh, John Wayne. And I pointed to it when we are doing ITC, and I said, can you tell me who this is and what you know, and very clear, Jerry, I came back to the Duke. Now, hmm. most young people wouldn't realize that that was John's, you know, name, the Duke. They called him the Duke. So it's hard to miss that as, you know, just random gibberish. Of course, there is a lot of stuff that 
you know, I, I don't know if we've actually transcribed correctly or not, but uh, there's something out there. And when we uh, talked in our lectures, you know, I kind of, it, it's a tough subject when you get into religion and, and we really try to avoid that. All I can tell people is that in my, our personal belief is that these are human spirits, you know, based upon many investigations at this point. Um, we believe that uh, the soul does go on based, again, that's our personal belief. Um, just based upon the intelligence. Now, can I, you know, sit here and say without, you know, 100% that this is fact? No. You know, and we tell people, if, if you know, unfortunately, a lot of the paranormal teams, they will even kind of get um, angry. They'll get, uh, you know, this is the way it is. And then I just chuckle and shake my head. It's like, you know, how do you know that? You know, how does anybody, you know, this field is too big to wrap your head around. You know, so, um, you know, we just, more or less, we like to share things that evidence suggests. And we say that a lot, um, you know, based upon this, it's suggest or it's themes. But again, we, we can't come uh, across and say that something is 100% factual because it's too big, I think, to wrap our head around. So let me ask you a couple of quick questions and I'll let you go. I know you're uh, out doing some camping and stuff. Tell me a little bit, because I, I'm semi-familiar but not totally familiar. Tell me a little bit about what ITC actually is. And then tell me your thoughts on Spirit Box. Yeah. ITC stands for Instrumental Transcommunication. And what's different between ITC and EVP, Electronic Voice Phenomena, was discovered way back in the, the late 30s. It was discovered that tape recordings, such as, you know, regular standard tape recorders, today you could say digital recorders, we get EVPs picked up on our video camera microphone quite often. These are voices that just appear on a recording device. ITC is you're actually kind of helping the spirit along, uh, such as using a ghost box, a spirit box. Um, there's quite a few uh, computer programs that have been written out there that we've had great success with that uh, somehow, and, and I can't give you the answer to that, uh, somehow they seem to be able to either manipulate uh, the sound waves and be able to form words, or uh, it could be that it's a carrier. You know, that uh, they're providing them background and, and somehow they're, you know, again, it's, it's, we're getting the answers through these programs. We have found that on many programs, however, and this is where it really tricky. If we feel there's not, or it seems like if there's not spirits willing to communicate, we will see algorithms. And some programs, there may be, uh, let's say, a catchphrase, just letting you know, just letting you know. I'll hear that over and over again, and I may hear it three weeks from now, and I may hear it three months from now, just to let you know. You know, unfortunately, that's when I have to say, okay, that's an algorithm, right? Because we've heard these phrases before, we've heard these words before, and the way that they're, the inflection and what they're being said. So we're getting a lot of algorithms. Let's stop this session or let's change the bison because, you know, we're getting repeat algorithms. But in a case of, you know, I can, I can take two, well, actually three. You can, you know, it's easy to say, okay, these are all algorithms. However, we did a, a benefit for the AMVETS uh, in Brooklyn, Ohio, where we raised money for the Soldiers uh, and Sailors uh, Retirement Home. When we did that investigation at the AMVETS, we had every, it was amazing the amount of ITC that made reference to the ship. It made reference to their captain. It made reference to, we were broken up as sharp. And then they proceeded to tell us how their ship sank. 
when we did the Lorraine Palace Theater, we got direct answers uh, that said they were uh, entertainers. Uh, and then recently, our White House investigation, they talked that very clearly, uh, Lighthouse, the words. So it's hard to say these are algorithms when we're getting words that are in line with the property that we are investigating. So, it, But it does become a little tricky when you're using IT. The more you use it, the more you know the software, the more it's easy to determine, okay, are you getting hits or are you getting gibberish? David, brother, I appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time. I know you're out having a little bit of leisure time, and you, you interrupted that for about 30 minutes to speak with us, so I appreciate it. And I can't wait to uh, have you guys on the show in Nashville. It's going to be fun. Oh, thank you, Jerry. We appreciate it very much. It's been awesome talking to you, and we can't wait to see you. All right, brother. Yeah, I would look forward to an ITC session in there because, I mean, a lot yeah. of these live shows are in, are, in, are in little bars or whatever. This place, it's got enough crazy stuff in there where you never know what's going to be attached to some of the things they have in there that something could come out. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. As I said, well, maybe we could do a live uh, ITC session. Then I started thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> the amount of stuff in that place, who knows what we'll get. But, uh, yeah, it would be cool to, to get some stuff that would uh, – you know, be able to do some validation questions where the whole group would be able to see that we're getting direct responses. I'm looking forward to it, brother. We'll see you in October. All right, buddy. You have a good one now.